dream last night. A vision. I saw a world full of people. Everybody was dancing and screaming loud. They were just there to listen to the music. It was deep. It was underground. Let's turn the world into a dance floor. Hey, what's up? My name is Ruben Ronde and this is the State of Trance podcast. And every week when we have a guest in the studio, we ask them to stick around for a little bit and ask your questions and also some uh, other interesting stories and anecdotes that we would love to hear from the artist. This week in the studio, Craig Connolly. Hello. Welcome. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, cheers. I'm, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. You ready for the questions? Yeah. Yeah, bring them on. Okay. Yeah, I've done this a few times before, so hopefully... You I, should I, be fine, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. be fine. Should well, we have some interesting it. questions from the listeners as well, but um, every every time the podcast is here, I want to start with something that's the most important question that I could ask you. How did you become a DJ? How did you be- decide that you want to become a DJ or a producer? Um, there was an under-18s dance night uh, in my local town, Wigan, where I grew up, and they played music which I wasn't familiar with, which is, you know, we'd, you'd hear a little bit of it on the radio, but then I was like, you know, well, what's this record? What's that record? Why don't I don't know what this is? Like, what are these tunes I'm hearing? And we we just kind of, I was with our friends and really the DJs there as well. They would just say, oh, this is dance music. So I was yeah. like, okay, so what, where do I find this? And there was a record shop in town uh, that sold vinyl. And initially I just wanted to collect the tunes I liked. Like you could buy tape packs then and CDs, uh, which were like pretty much like, you know, co- not really copyrighted. They were just like local DJs. Like bootlegs. Like, yeah, bootleg CDs basically. <clears throat> So you could, buy, you could buy them, but I just wanted the tunes, the original tunes. So I started buying vinyls, I only had one deck, and then of course I wanted the second one. And before you know it, I was like, oh, I'm into this, you know, I'm into dance music now. Uh, but yeah, so that was it, it was under 18's dance night. And um, they just- The music it. fascinated you, yeah, yeah, the music and then you rolled a, into it. Yeah, yeah, we didn't, we didn't even know what it was, we just called it dance tunes. Dance you know? tunes. Yeah, and that incorporated all of it, like that would, that would mean house, trance, hard house, happy hardcore. But we just call it dance tunes. So I was collecting dance tunes and I'll collect them all. You uh-huh. know? And then at a certain point, you just you started buying vinyls. Do you still remember which one that was your first one that you ever bought? Yeah, Storm Time to Burn. Really? Yeah. That's the tune. You can do this again. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tune. Yeah, it's really good, man. And there was dance in your eyes. There was dance yeah, yeah. music. Yeah, so I mean, I look back now. I mean, what would you, what would you call it? Commercial hard house. I mean, it had that kind of like chunky beat. You know, it's hard to say what it was. It was just dance tunes. There was the know? there was probably maybe the year two thousand something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was two thousand. And everybody was playing yeah. everything mixed up. Yeah, like yeah. It, there was no there was some genres, but people didn't stick to it. I no, guess. no. Like you'd listen to like you know George Jules on the radio, you know, and Dave Pierce, and they would just play a whole variety. You know, they would start of, with some breakbeat and yeah, then yeah. Some dance music, like house and trance were like the two biggest sounds. But then you know there was kind of like this this kind of like cheeky hard house, like commercial hard house, I call it. So you know, like like I said, storm time to burn. Uh, you know, things like that, like welcome to the dance and stuff like that. Like it's it was too hard to say it was trance. It wasn't really house. It was too fast. It was just like. We kind of, we don't even know what it was. We were just like cool dance tunes. Yeah. Know? And by accident, you bought two turntables and you started spinning as well. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So I was like 13 when I got the first one, probably 14 when I got the second one. And then, uh, yeah, I just started collecting records. And then you started DJing. When was your first event that you that you played at the, in front of a crowd? It was uh, my mate's girlfriend's 16th birthday. 
And like I said, we played like my host, Johnson Hard House. And then like, it was just in like this pub. And like, I was, I was this guy that taught me to DJ, he came and he, I could tell he didn't want to be there. You could tell he couldn't be asked. <laughs> and like, he was like not getting any money. And he like, let me his speakers and he said, the one rule is, if a fight breaks out, I'm going home with my speakers. So like... The one broke out. I had to convince him to stay. Like these like random sixteen year olds that are full of cider. Like started fighting for no reason as they do. And I convinced him to stay and he said, Right, we'll play some happy hardcore and try and make them calm down. And just run off with speakers. Yeah. yeah. And then one like another fight started and he just turned the music off and walked out. <laughs> So I'm like, I had to get my mum to like help me carry turntables home. Well, yeah, it was proper tragic. I think I was only DJing for like 90 minutes and there was like two fights. Well, yeah, that was it. That's it's a proper it. Manchester party, isn't it? Yeah, it was a proper labour club as well, like proper working man's club, like proper rough. Like it's in the back room now. Yeah. So that was that was your first show? Yeah, yeah. It's probably just stupid memories like that that crap me up. No, uh, no, but it's, it, it builds you who you are right now. <laughs> so yeah. if, if you see, uh, for example... You would play EDC. You see your fight on the dance floor. Your first reaction is going to be, grab the gear, grab the speakers, run off. <laughs> yeah, I'll play happy hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> Just pack a happy hardcore tune on. I hope everyone calms down. That's what he reckoned worked. It didn't work. But why would a crowd calm down if you play happy hardcore where's the logic in there the guy was with just assumed people liked it like oh, yeah. no. he was a little bit older than me and he, like, he had all, 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 loads of wild tales of him DJing at like weddings and things like crazy things that happened to him and I'm like a lot of the times I think you're just making this up like, <laughs> but when you're young and impressionable like I was 15, 16 at the time and like I used to like be really impressionable I was like oh my god that's amazing I can't believe you did this but like really looking back it was just full of Nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah, I'll not swear, <laughs> but yeah. Rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so that was your first gig experience. And yeah. then um, some time went by and you also started making music. Yeah. At what age did you start making music? Uh, shortly after when I started at college. No, I didn't do music at college. Like I went to like a college for like an education. So like I was doing like- fairly, What kind of education did you do? Fairly boring. It was just like A-level level, which is like just above high school. Yeah. Uh, I did business, which I failed. <laughs> Media studies, design which and technology. Which you feel now. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got like a C in that. I got a D in IT and an E in design. So fairly tragic time at my A-levels. But at the same time, I discovered uh, producing music. So like I spent most of my time rather than studying, just like, you know, Reason, Propeller Heads? Yeah, yeah. That's why I started as well. 1.5, yeah, I think. Yeah, it was yeah. like Reason 2 or something, like a crack of Cubase. And I was sitting there on my dad's PC and like, you know, headphones on all night, just like, you know, I do stuff like just like record the vinyl, you know, through the line in the jack and just like take a beat. And then like, I didn't realize I was doing it at this time, but like, I was looping parts of tunes and that's essentially what a sequencing is. So like what yeah. I do now, when I see blocks on screen and I'm making music, it was just the same as I did then. I was just looping the recording I made and trying to make something from it. So, so you're ripping your samples already on the young Yeah, age. yeah. So I was ripping bits of vinyl and trying to like make mashups with them and stuff and like, you know, but do it on the computer. Because all my friends was like, they're still sticking to the turntables. They didn't know like, why are we spending so much time on the computer if you're into music? It's like, yeah. like trying to explain that's kind of like, this is how you kind of do it. And I didn't really know myself. Like it took me years to figure out how people how actually did it. <clears throat> you know, and and things but yeah that was like earliest memories is ripping things and using reason and sitting there fairly my a-levels you know with the headphones on every night yeah, reason was quite difficult because right now i've ableton in front of me you, you drop a sample in and it automatically automatically yeah. detects the bpm yeah and it puts a grid on it but reason did have nothing like that yeah, yeah. because I mean, you yeah. just needed to cut everything apart and put everything in the right bits. Yeah, yeah. and Reason had like the cable things. Yeah, like, you know, so you had to like, flip the mixer. And yeah, then... yeah, like if you dropped a plug-in or like an instrument or a mixer in the wrong order, 
Like you, you don't realize you're not getting a son. You have to like flip it around. And when you're 16, you got no one to help you, like pulling your hair out. I think I spent like three weeks trying to make music in reason until someone told me, like, you do realize there's a sequencer. And I just said, well, It's not a sampler, it's a sequencer. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm not using this arpeggiator thing to make like arpeggiated, like Coldplay riffs, like just repeating clocks, <laughs> like trying to get my head around it. Oh, yeah, no. And the funny thing is, right now, like, I'm not going to say that you're old, but I'm, I'm old, so I can say I'm old. That if right now, <laughs> if you start working in Reason, you just go on YouTube. You find yeah. a million tutorials. Yeah, yeah. But back no, then, there was zero. You yeah, had to yeah. buy a book. Yeah, yeah. You had to go read to, the manual. You had to leave your house, go to the shop to buy a magazine, and hope yeah. there was like a reasonably good tutorial that yeah. might make sense to you. Computer or, music magazine. Yeah, yeah. Computer music. Or like read uh, the manual, you know, that you came with. But yeah, there was no YouTube tutorials. I mean, like, you know, trying to watch a video on YouTube, it would take me like 10 minutes just to like buffer, you know, buffer the whole video. And no one was sitting there making tutorials. So yeah. I went to music college though when I was 18. So that's okay. so the failed A levels. There was no like pre requirements over them pay these people loads of money. So like instead of like going to uni, my parents like very kindly said, you know, you're not going to go to uni. You can tell it's pointless sending you there because you're not going to pass your degree. Would you want to do this instead? I was like, please, God, yes, let me do this. So like I spent uh, two years there. It was just called the School of Sound Recording. That's where I learned how to use Cubase, Pro Tools, and Reason properly. Yeah. Uh, so I left there. I was like, right, I have all this, you know, this, this like, what I call technique. Like I, I knew how things should be done. It yeah. didn't necessarily mean I could make things sound good. Mm-hmm. But then I think like, you know, you'll understand as well, you know, as people like, oh, I mean, you know, real producers, like it takes years of you keep doing the same thing before you be able to make things that sound good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I didn't really have a release until I was like 25, maybe. So like, 2011. <clears throat> 2011. Yeah. So I was like about 25 then. Um, so that was like eight years and I'd done different jobs after that. Like I worked working in music shops. I went working for Apple for a bit. Um, worked for Garuda for a little bit. So it was different things I went along with, you know, before I released my first record. I step by like, step, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I still like, even then I was, you know, you might have said I was probably not quite ready, but you all have to start somewhere. And like those first few records were, were okay. But then like, I feel like the music I made like way later on in my life was, was, was much better and much like what I wanted to sound like. I think that's a problem that every producer has. <clears throat> when you put something out, you already hear like, ah, oh, I should have done this. Yeah, yeah. Or if I look back to my music that I created in, let's say 2008, I'm almost embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, this, yeah, is, this yeah. sounds rubbish. Yeah. But back then it was different and then yeah. it was a whole different sound or different producing yeah. way I guess couldn't agree more I mean there's tunes I'd like you would like to delete I wish I could just email the label that was released on just go please just please delete yeah please delete this like I can't even bring myself to think god why did I release that but it was a different time and I was doing a slightly different sound and you know I was kind of wrapped up in different things and uh, yeah but you, you know we all do what we do I was speaking to her I mean about it as well like you know now that track I made Black Hole is like a blessing and a curse because like we spoke about this recently and I think he said it might have been Blue Fear for him or Communication where like you you shoot right up and get like really massive really quickly but then like I had like nothing then for years of any note that was any good so like I was like trying to compete with people and trying to like get gigs and thought in my head that I'd like you know got really far like really unhumble like bad attitude towards work and gigs and releases and it took me a long time to come down from that and like realise like shit like you gotta like get better here like because there's people flying past you and you think you're mint because you made a black hole but so it's like and like, you know, Ami said similarly, he said he had struggled for a long time to make something follow up to, you know, Blue This sort of feels like a blue fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, you're getting secure and like different, you know, feelings around it. And that's the same thing. Like, I don't think I made a good record after Black Hole for maybe two years, three years, maybe longer. I mean, you could go as far as saying, how can I? 
you know, the One Second Closer album. Um, if you look at that period of time in my career, you can't really think that much stood out, you know. And But it's okay, you know, we've got to learn from these things and we, you know, we set ourselves new standards and new yardsticks and that's what I did for myself. And after that album, um, met Neil, worked with uh, Neil Scarborough, Music First, Rob Murphy. And, um, you know, I set, I set myself a really high bar, like an even higher bar than I had before. And um, that's when I did This Life with you guys, with Armada. Mm -hmm. And that was like a great success. And you guys did a great job and, you know, really big help with that one. And then I was kind of like setting like a bar there. I was like, you know, the album was good. Black Hole obviously was a big bump. You got to set the bar there and nothing can go below that now. You have to be better than that every time. Yeah. So like 2018 is where I, you know, I could probably humbly say that's when I feel personally I made good music after that time. Yeah. Um, but before then it was like, you would make something good, but you wouldn't really know why you made it good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting sense. though, if, if you look at it like that, that way. Mm. So you feel, um, so after, when you release Black Hole, after that, you kind of, how do you say it? To put this in nicely, that you, that you became a nicer, less nicer person yeah. to yourself and to other people. Yeah. Because you were like, okay, I'm here. I'm yeah, right yeah. now. I made yeah, this yeah. smash of a tune. Everybody played it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I was entitled. I thought I was, I thought I should be, should have been a lot bigger than I was. I thought, you know, I mean, the, the tracks had 12 million plays on YouTube, yeah. which is unheard of for a trans tune. It is, but yeah. Like, in, in my head, I was like, why is, you know, why am I not getting this high? Why am I not getting this gig? Why, you know, are people flying past me here? Yeah. It's because I didn't follow up with anything. And like, I got lost musically. Like I started making like, you know, an older sound again. And I go forward and do a different sound and then a different track. And like I was completely chopping and changing. But what's like, the, what was the moment for you that you were like, that you realized that, <laughs> that you were doing that and you were like, okay, this needs to stop now. I need to um, get a fresh start. So in 2016, I was like, I'm going to do an album because I felt like that was like something I wanted to do, just like a passion project. I kind of yeah. come down from that high at that point. I was kind of like, not on a low, but I was like, yeah, you know, you need to think of something to build yourself back up here because obviously whatever happened in those three years was confusing and <laughs> not working. <laughs> so like you like kind of trip yourself up a little bit. But like 2016, I was like, right, do this first album and just be yourself. You know, yeah. make the music that comes from your soul. So like all the ideas on One Second Close, that first album, I love the music on that. Production wise, the quality is probably not as quite as good as what it is today. Uh, you know, I've learned a lot since 2018, like the actual production side. But musically, I love, you know, every track on that album. You know, mm. it's so uh, authentic to me. And I think before I was trying, like in that period, I was trying to go, well, you were at Black Hole here. What's going to get people's attention next? What, how can I win people over? Like, what's going to be the next big move? Yeah. Whereas when 2016 came around, I was like, just make music you like. Yeah. And, and then I made How Can I and uh, Home and elevate and these tracks you know did quite well uh, for what they were and then uh like i say onwards from there 2018 was like a, a new doors opened yeah i'm just i'm just very curious that the that you that you hit like a, a moment like uh that you realized that you were doing wrong and then you hit into the right direction again because yeah we also try to inspire new producers and djs right that listen to this show and they're like yeah. okay this could be a pivotal moment in your career and maybe they think the same way that certain people um I think every every artist has a moment in his career that they think they're entitled, mm. but they're not. Mm. You're never entitled, no. I think. For no. You need to fight for your spot and you need to be a nice person yeah. as much as you can and create karma for yourself that you get booked or yeah. you're never entitled, at least. No. That's what I've, no, but when did you realize that you were not entitled? I, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe around 2016 when I just I just always wasn't getting the bookings I thought I deserved and you know I'm yeah. trying to like scratch my head as to like what was going wrong and it's like I would never say I was like I was, I was objectively not nice I was just kind of listening to myself and believing my own hype of course but then like yeah I think which like, is also a good thing sometimes yeah it's, it's it's good to be confident but it's also good to have you know a good temperature check yeah. on yourself 
And so like my message to young producers would be like, you know, even if you like, you know, have a real big smash, um, someone said this to me at the time and, and I wish I'd listened more, but like, you know, you need to think about what the next thing is going to be. And the reason why that tr particular track was so big, let's do that again and focus and make that about you. As long as you know, I'm, I'm okay with that sound. Cause where I got lost was I made that and then tried to make other things, you know, it was like, but if I made two or three tracks like black hole straight after it and stayed, you know, grounded, it might've been like a lot better direction. Yeah. Um, but you live and you learn. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And it's sometimes you have to make bad decisions and not be in a great place to kind yeah. of be better for the future. But it also made who you are right now. So Yeah, exactly. Like no, I try to, you know, express gratitude and be humble as much as possible, way more than the person I feel like I used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I'm grateful for every show I play and, you know, and every release and, you know, try to take it, you know, one one day at a time whereas you know, I had a black hole and thought the world was on my feet. Yeah. That's so it. I was like, yes, I've done it. Come I'm done. Yeah. yeah, I made it. And I was like, no, it just doesn't work like that. Because the thing is, I did get the bump. I did get the bookings for like small time, small amount of time. You just needed to push more yeah. through back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed to like create my own sound and stick to it. And you probably hear this so often from other producers and like, you know, a message for young producers, you know, up and coming people, artists. Like, yeah, you do need to find a sound and stick to it. You know, try not jump around too much you know, and try to be too many different things and just to please people. And yeah. um, when I started making music that pleased me, that's when I made the most progress. Yeah. So like I make music nowadays, anything I make, I love more than anything, more than any time in my life. Like everything I make these days, I love, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, and I get the most success from that. So like, if I have an idea for something, I, don't, I try not to ponder too much. Oh, is this going to please people? I think if it pleases me, more often than not, the fans come back to me and say, oh, we love this, we're for this reason, that reason, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, because if you like something, then people will like it as well. Or yeah, they. I think the most important thing is when you release something, you have to be the one that's most proud of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's records I play that maybe not necessarily people know me for, but I just absolutely love. Like I can't stop playing like a uh, Golden Gate. Like I released it last year, I still buzz off it. I still think it's fantastic. Like, yeah, it's so wild and crazy. Like a, like a double one drop. Uh, it was in between both albums, so it was, oh, um, it was yeah, on the yeah. of Egypt last year, yeah. And um, it's just a wild tune with like two drops and like, you know, loads of sounds I've not really used before. And like, there's not tons of people coming to me like all the time saying, oh, that's great. But like when I play it on the dance floor, you can see people come to life. And like, I just can't stop playing it. I just think it's fantastic fun. That's awesome <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, that's the best feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. especially if you see, when you see a uh, uh, dance floor going nuts on something yeah, that yeah. you created, yeah, that's yeah. the biggest boss that ah, you can so get. So good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so good, you know. Awesome, uh, and then uh, 2020, I guess. Yeah. This one came out. Sharp Edge, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the plan with this was to make a club album and then a club show. This was really for the dance floors. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. And then the dance floor shut down. Yeah, yeah, and then it shut down, yeah. And um, we all had a conversation, you know, with the label and management and everything, and they said to us, like, do you want, do you really want to release this? Because, like, we're short now. And, like, I was like, well, yeah, because, like, I'd already finished it. Like, I'd fi it was finished February 2020. And mm -hmm. then lockdown happened, what? March? Yeah, March. Yes, yeah. So I was like, oh, kicking the teeth. But we still went with it. Uh, and I'm glad that I did because I almost like feel like people were coming up to me. Well, not coming up to me, but messaging me saying, oh, this is helping me through this time. Yeah. You know, it's a tough time. Like, you know, tracks like Life Half Live, Time Machine, All Full Love. They're kind of like the, the lyrics in those kind of connect with people, what they were going through that yeah, time. Yeah, Time Machine is such an anthem also. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very, very happy with how that turned out. You know, yeah. Tara, Tara's a great talent and uh, she really, well, she did, on everything I work with her on, you know, she's fantastic. Um, I think it's fascinating that on one side you have artists that didn't release anything at all during lockdown. Mm. Myself, I only released, I think last year, only three tracks. But last week we had Giuseppe on the show and you did the same thing. You just... You, you took it up a notch even. Mm. You started releasing more. Mm. What was the reason that you decided to do that instead of just 
keeping it for the because this, for example, sharper edge, uh, sharper edge was released for the dance floor, but there were no dance floors. Yeah. Why uh, did you decide to still keep going on releasing it? Because, like I said, I think people needed it, and it's almost like I needed it. Like I need something. To look, I needed something to look forward to and to work yeah. through. Because like I was thinking, like, what would I have done with that year? Now I was very lucky, and I, I had like a lot of good things happen in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of get me going through that time. Got yeah, engaged. Yeah, got engaged. Had a kid. Had a kid. Yeah, you know. So I was very lucky with those things. But also, I feel like well. Like I'm very like career driven. Like I never really stop, you know, and have a break. And like I really want to kind of keep going with it, just for my own mental health and for other people's, you know. Mm-hmm. So why 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 hold something back when I can just share it with people that you know might need it? Yeah, you know. Um, so we went ahead with it, and it was a roaring success. It was still a great success. You yeah, know? Uh, it just just meant I had to kind of wait to play the the tunes from it to like the year after, which uh, you could finally do right now. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, while everything is happening, you managed to create a new album called Believe in Magic. Yeah, which is super diverse yeah, yeah no <laughs> because when you played it on the show i didn't realize because so far you released well i guess the more uplifting and uh, the, yeah. the, the tune with uh, that girl of course yeah uh two beatboard number ones i yeah. think so far yeah, yeah. those were the most up, uh, uplifting ones so when you came into the studio and, and played this set and you started out with a progressive house tune i'm yeah. gonna say holy shit what's this yeah, what's happening yeah why did you decide to make it so diverse is that something that you said earlier that you want to make something that comes out of your heart yeah so it was like, so confused i like did a club album and the club show yeah and then during the time the clubs were short i started to write music just for myself again just like the music i just have a laugh with you know and like so like there's a prids type thing on there the big piano cast a spell is on the guest mix and then there's summer nights like a camel fight ish type thing um so i'm really just pleasing myself and just like seeing what i could do you know for fun because there's so much time on our hands we sat at home weren't we in the studio uh, so i started work on the album so like august last year you know the gigs didn't really pick up that much in 2021 until like the start of this year and it's all you know come good again so yeah so if i could summarize it i kind of like i should have done sharp range like when the clubs were open should have done, done this when, like, when, the, when they were shut but look, hey everything happens for a reason and like, i hope people hear believe in magic and i just hope that they just sit there with an open mind and enjoy it it's not all progressive but like there's there's a little bit of everything on there and i always think it's important to do a dance trance album where every single track needs to have its own sound set. Mm-hmm. People ask me, like, I speak to some friends at the weekend, like, how have you done three albums in five years? Like, how'd you do it? I sit there with a spreadsheet, right? And I like, I need to fill 12 slots. And every one of those slots has to sound different to the last. So yeah. like, so I don't just have the same sound set rehashed 12 times. So what you'll hear on here is like, the f- opening track is like an ambient thing with some bells in there, like no beats at all. And you've got cast a spell, which is prezzy piano type, you know, uh, house music uh, from like 10 years ago. Summer Nights, we've talked about that. Voodoo, which is like drum code type techno. Uh, Rabbit in a Hat, which is like dead mouse ish but a bit spit up you know and then reach out which is like old school derude type thing so like every time i'm doing a track i'm trying to just make it wildly different to the last because the my worst fear is people not listening to it because they think it all sounds the same mm-hmm. so what you might get is like a chopping changing journey like all over the place but at least you'll know every track was different you know but you um would you have been confident enough five years ago to release something like this um because in, in the end like certain people they stick to their sound. They, they, for example, they go to McDonald's. They, they order a yeah, Big Mac no. because they, they want to have it. And when they see Craig Connolly, they expect uplifting trends, I guess. Yeah. But there's still that on there. And like I say, like the singles have all been um, vocal uplifting trends, which is the, the Craig Connolly thing. Um, so that's on there as well. It's just, there's, there's just a bunch of different stuff on at the start, you know. Um, I don't feel that insecure about it. I think like I was probably more insecure 
with sharper edge because like it was a time where I was just really getting that grip on the scene and like getting booked in all really cool, cool places I wanted to play, you know, like Luminosity and Dream State, you know, all these really cool places I've always wanted to play. And I thought oh, I must make like just a thrashing trance album, you know, just so people know I am 100% Craig Conley's trance, mm -hmm. you know, and drill it into people's brains. So I was probably more insecure then because that's what that's the message I wanted to get across. But now I feel more secure in my position. People know what Craig Conley sounds like in a live set. I'm obviously going to play like trance I love mm -hmm. forever, you know, vocal trance. But then also I can go, oh, well, I made a bunch of this stuff. Like, what do you guys think about this? So I feel like I'm more like a more comfortable place now, yeah. I only applauded. I said the same thing to uh, Giuseppe last Thank week you. as well because Giuseppe's album is also... It's, yeah. He, he, something that he never did before yeah. and now I just want them to play it also in live sets <laughs> have the balls to do it come yeah, on I you know. can do it okay um, we've been talking way too long already so I have to dive into some questions okay. that were submitted to Instagram and Twitter um, let's start with uh, Alice Salant he always has good questions how do you find your inspiration? Um, that's interesting with such a diverse album yeah like I said, there's a lot of to like do a bit of everything with this album, but then like some like, for example, Little Mystery. I, like I gave that girl the words Little Mystery because like I always feel like the birth of my son was like a, he's like my little yeah. mystery. So like it's about him kind of, but then I gave that to her, but I didn't tell her that, and she just kind of came up with the lyrics around that theme. So we kind of ended up with a track called Little Mystery in the end. So like that was a good message to kind of get across um in that tune and she like wrote appropriate lyrics just around that feeling she's great don't yeah. you big <laughs> shout out don't you? yeah 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 you you did a great track with her you yeah. know amazing track so yeah we're uh, that's kind of like one way of doing it you know pick a theme in your head like cast the spell was all about like glitz and glamour you know i kind of like you can kind of hear that in the sound a little bit i guess yeah i think it's a, that's actually a very good advice for starting producers as well um that if you are approaching a vocalist try to give some words yeah. because it will inspire and spark them into something instead of writing something that they already did. Yeah. Or yeah. that's a good advice. Um, Ed Ita Bexhill actually asked on Twitter, what producer tips do you have for starting producers? Um, focus on the music first rather than focusing too much on the technique. Like you'll pick that up over time, yeah. like exercise. The more you exercise the muscle, the better it gets. Whereas you, what you need to focus on is kind of like melodies and chords. I'd say before committing to, so you've done it for a few months or whatever, try to learn as much about harmony and melody as you can. Yeah. And then try and write, say, like 10 melodies, 10 chord sequences, and just pick the best. I think often a mistake I see with the young producers is that they will um, write one idea and then try for months to try and finish that track of one idea. Rather than if you write a bunch of ideas and pick the best, you've more chance of honing in on something which is really, really good. Yeah. And ask your friends as well, like play them just on a little synth, you know, just a little patch or whatever, nothing too complicated. Just say which of these ideas you think is the coolest and um, focus on that one. But friends always lie. Yeah, it's hard with friends. Okay, maybe. I mean, music, I'm saying it the wrong way. So, for example, when, when I started making music, this is long time ago, 2002, three, maybe something like that. I would play something to my friends in the car. I was, I, I was really proud of it. And it, when I listen to it now, it's absolute shit. But they were loving it. They were like, yeah, this is great. I'm like, yeah. now I'm like, you guys maybe are just not. lying to me. Maybe maybe try and make friends with someone that can help, help you in the right direction. <laughs> but also, you know, listen to music you like and, um, you know, hold yourself accountable and go, okay, well, is this, you know, a similar kind of thing to that, the melody, you know, the structure, the, the rhythm of it, the melodic parts. And, um, just practice your melodies. Yeah. 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 Um, Ali. 
Teal uh, Lopez G wants to know, and I wonder also because you're doing a back to back set with him in Montreal, I think. Yeah. When will you do a collab with Factor B? Yeah, well, we did one on a sharp edge called Transatlantic. Mm -hmm. uh, we should do another one uh, very soon. Obviously, I love his sound as well. He's a fantastic producer, one of the best trans producers in the world, probably right now. And um, yeah, so hopefully when we can. Uh, sea of Thoughts was my favorite track of the last year. Yes, incredible. Unbelievable yeah, tune. Yeah, yeah. 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 Theater of the Mind album, outrageously good. So like, yeah, I can't wait to hook up with him again um, at the right time. And, um, you know, maybe we'll get in the studio together. Yeah. Some time together again. Next question comes from uh, Hakan Salumi Musa. One, is it possible to get some of your tracks on vinyl? Well, yeah. I bought one of these <laughs> when <laughs> it came is. out. So yeah, yeah. Uh, a sharper edge is available. On is it still available or is it sold yeah, out? Yeah, I think there's probably like, I mean, I got a notice saying there was a few copies left. So maybe they've gone on, maybe now. But check out the Magic Music Shop for that one. Yeah, and, and Believe in Magic. Yep, yeah, I have in it Magic. here. I have it here on CD, but it's also going to be on vinyl. It is, yeah, yeah. That's on my big cartels who just had to my Linktree, uh, Linktree, Craig Connolly, you know, or any of that. If you want my social media, it's everywhere right now. But there's, you know, the vinyl for Believe in Magic is available. And uh, we'll probably have to wait a bit for that. Yeah. Because of pressings just being yeah, yeah they said august but we'll, we'll see we'll see <laughs> um Kologo fetster wants to know from instagram since what age did you love trance and what is your favorite song of all time song or trance track because it could be two let's do both okay so since 1999 i was about 13 at the time so giving away my age there but yeah uh, trance music was on the radio like i said earlier in the podcast you know i was listening to dance music as a whole but then it was kind of like a couple of years later i was like honing in on well which parts of this dance music is my favorite yeah and i could discover paul van dyke i was like oh well kind of that is what i say in a roundabout kind of way what i love the most so yeah it was around that time maybe 2002 2003 i got into that when i started producing uh my favorite song of all time uh, maybe Ordinary World by Duran Duran. Oh yeah, I love I love eighties music. I've, you know, I really like you know. Are you a synth pop band. kid? Uh, more more like the power ballady stuff. You know, like waiting for a star to fall. Or Frankie that kind goes of to it. Hollywood. Frankie goes to Hollywood. I love Frankie goes to Hollywood. It's so good. <laughs> Simple Minds, Simply Red, all really embarrassing things. Me and my dad used to be into. So like <laughs> that maybe. Is that uh, your guilty pleasure? Yeah, yeah. I have like <laughs> I have a playlist on my phone. Just it's just called old that's what it's called like oh, you sit on the airplane like, just jamming out to it yeah yeah it's like 30 year old records on there it's good stuff though man awesome. and which trans track would be the, your ultimate trans track uh, it's so, so cliche but i think it shivers man i think it has to be shivers i know really? like, it won it won but it's like i just i remember i was where i was it just jules played it and like friday night just before i was gonna go out i think it must have been 17 or something at the time 18 and I was like, I've known the name I'm from Buren and it sounds like I'm on his radio show, you know, that I'm like, you know, being too nice or whatever. But like, I just can't get away from it. It's just so, so good. I remember like sitting there thinking like, like this guy is mega. Like this, this is, this is a mega. Like, you really know where I mean was at the time? Like this is unbelievable. So yeah, probably shivers. Yeah. Well, it still well, gives me it yeah. literally gives me shivers, like big goosebumps when I play it. I play it in my sets still like, you know, when I can. Um, like play the Alex Moore remix. Oh yeah, that's a good oh. mix. Well, you became number one in the Trends Top 1000 last year, yes. so you're not the only person. I know, that, a lot uh, of people probably agree with me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Transiclopedia wants to know, and I want to know this as well, because you started a progressive alias many years ago as a side, and you yeah. only you, you released one tune, which happened to be on my label statement yeah. recordings. Yeah. Dovestone. Yeah. How is your progressive alias doing? Well, 
it's it's kind of like amalgamated on this album as just being Craig Connolly. So yeah. if you wanted to, hear so you embrace it, yeah, yeah. So like if you wanted to hear more Dustone type stuff, the first place would be there. But I'm also writing a lot of that stuff on the side. I just don't tend to share it that much, you know, or release it that much. And I need to kind of like find the right outlet for that music, you know. And uh, I don't know what that is, you know, because I have a trance career. I've integrated a little bit of that into my latest album, but we'll see. Maybe there'll be like EPs down the road of just that, you know. Might be a good way to do it. Just having fun in the studio and yeah, just yeah. practice on a lot of things as well, I guess. Yeah. Elena herself wants to know, who is your favorite producer? Um, There's been a range of people over the years and, you know, it kind of changes with, with time. I've always liked John O'Callaghan, Giuseppe, you know, people are very lucky to share stages with these days. Yeah. Uh, starts with Paul Van Dyke, Armin, above and beyond. That's like a real amalgamation of people. I don't really have like one favorite. It's just, I like little bits of everything and every single one of them has always, they've made something along the, the, the timeline which I've gone, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. let's say, let's look at your Spotify um, overview of 2021. Which artist was your number one that you listened to the most? Um, Greg Connolly. Got to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably like bands or something like you know. I listen to like a lot of other music other than trance music on uh, on Spotify. Uh, she also wants to know Elena herself. Which of your tracks are you most proud of? Ooh, um, I think most proud of was probably Sonic Grey because of how hard it was to pull off. Because it's like two. It's on. It's the first track off a of sharper edge. It's like. I had to make an orchestra track and I had to make a trance track. And then there was a part towards the end where I had to stick them together. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it seemed when I started to like a good idea. And then like four days in, I was like, oh my God. What did I do? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Like, make it stop. But like, I eventually got to the end of it. And eventually like, yeah, but there's, there's so many tracks in there. And people often ask me like, how many tracks do you have in your records? Like in layers. And I'm often, I don't have tons. Like, but then like Sonic Grace, like just like a nearly a hundred. There's like horns in the string like big orchestral drums there's like samples of like radios in there and then there's a trance track an actual full trance track there as well just your regular sounds you know so like it's almost like I had to make this orchestra apart and then make a trance track and then glue them together and that was hard yeah but you, you managed to yeah, do yeah, it yeah I managed to pull it off <laughs> um, Ellie Wheels wants to know is he going for the Will Atkinson hair or longer Oh, well, well, you just it, had a haircut, I think. It was, yeah, until yesterday, yeah. and the barber cut it all off. I was, I was just yeah, yeah. because you had a little, uh, you had a I, uh, little top knot sometimes, yeah. But like, basically, I went there yesterday, asked for a trim, and he cut it all off. You see, now it's all gone. So yeah, you're you gonna go. start over again. Yeah, this is the A sort exclusive of my new haircut. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, let's. Take, yeah, we we are way over time already. So yeah, I'm sorry. Let's, was, let's I, keep I, going. I, I one nice one last thing. Uh, believe in magic. Yeah, Elm is out right now. Yeah. Some, um, like I said, it's a very diverse album, but also some nice uh, uplifting trends, vocalist trends, of course. There's yeah. vocal trends on there. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing the CD. I'll steal this one. Yeah. There's a couple there for you, buddy. Keep them. <laughs> what else is on the on the horizons right now? What are you working on right now? Because this is done. Yeah, yeah this is done. Uh, so there's four remixes uh, due to come out in the next few months. One was just like with you guys on Armada Essence Space mm -hmm. Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I've just released that one, I promise. And we're also working on a tour called Trilogy, uh, which is a combination of the three albums which I've done in the last five years and it's the best of the music from that. So these will be extended sets where you can hear you know, some of the more progressive things from Believe in Magic, Sharper Edge and One Second Closer all the way through to the banging, you know, uplifting vocal stuff you know me for. So yeah, we're just going to start in Peru. We've already got Buenos Aires, uh, Belfast and Toronto in there and we're speaking to uh, all the other places that I'm quite popular in like the likes of LA, San Francisco, hopefully towards the end of the year or early next year. So yeah, so keep an eye on my social media for my my trilogy tour 
Awesome. That was a good pitch. Yeah. Had <laughs> 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 to get it in there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I uh, love Greg. it here, man. Thank you for having me back for the fourth time. I yeah, really and uh, next next time, a new album you're going to drop by again in? Yeah, yeah, of course. Love to. Okay, we'll Absolutely. see you next time. Next time, the podcast is going to be with Ben Gold. We're going to talk about his album as well. And thank you so much for watching or listening to this. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. To check full episodes of A State of Trance for free, simply visit armandradio.com. A State of Trance returns next week.